the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you willing to allow revival to stir your walk with the Lord? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to find our text today in Galatians chapter 5. I entitled this message, The True Walk. You know, we all walk in life. You know, to walk, according to the dictionary, means to move at a regular pace. It's by lifting up and setting down each foot in turn. Yes, that's your basic walking. It's pretty straightforward. But then there are walks in life. Things that people do, like occupations. Some people gravitate to the strangest of jobs. You know, consider a couple of these. A rodeo clown. You know, they might have happy faces painted on, but know this, being a rodeo clown, man, that is a dangerous job. They have to get all the attention away of an angry 2,000-pound bull once he launches a bull rider from his back. You know, me and my son, we got into the PBR. That's professional bull riders, okay? And so we would go to these, you know, big professional bull things, and, and it's like it's just crazy. These guys have to stay on the back of the bull for, like, what is it, eight seconds? And it's like you think, oh, well, that should be easy. Uh, no, not on a 2,000-pound bull that's trying to launch you to the other side of Mars. But anyway, but the rodeo clown is once that guy gets launched, the cowboy— They got to get the attention of the bull so he doesn't kill the guy. I remember this famous uh, linebacker in the NFL. He was there and he was out there with the rodeo clowns and he thought it was all quick and fast. And man, he was out there and this bull was about 30 yards away from him. But that bull turned around and looked at him and charged him. That linebacker turned around and ran like a little girl and he fell down while he was running and the bull just mowed right over him. I mean, it's like, oh, it was not a pretty sight. But then, of course, there's other type, you know, occupations out there. How about this one? This is another crazy occupation. It's uh, a dog food taster. That's right. They actually hire people to taste and eat dog food, I guess, to see, I guess if you can eat it, your dog will eat it. Man, I guess when that person gets home, he's going to have a lot to look forward to because, man, his wife, whatever he cooks him, (laughs) it's like, hey, this is the best meal I ever had. I guess so, after eating dog food all day. And last but not least, how about this for the worst job ever of a walk of life? Like, this is going to be my occupational walk of life. I don't want to do this, but some people do. And it's an armpit odor tester. Oh, my goodness. Yes, if there was ever a job that you could say, my job stinks, this is it. 
But it's not our walk in an occupation that I want to talk to you about right now as you're listening in your car. It's where and how we're walking in this life that makes all the difference in the world. It's asking ourselves, are we walking in the places that are pleasing to the Lord? That's pretty straightforward, huh? Are you walking in a way that God is pleased in your life? Or are we walking in a place where, well, it's not pleasing to God? You know, as we all know, there's a lot of distractions in this life, especially when you live in Los Angeles like I do. Then there's every kind of known sin around in Los Angeles. It's the second largest city in America. It's the number one city in the world that sets culture. And let me tell you, there's a lot of pitfalls and places you could trip up and fall. Yes, it's also home to, well, everything that you could ever imagine. Yes, we're surrounded by a a very liberal and a secular world. On one hand, it's a total bummer. Who wants to be faced with temptation 24-7? But yet, on the other hand, as Christians, what a place to live in the last days. What a place to make a stand for the living God. What a place to see the Spirit of God move in our lives. What a place to start a revival. You know, that word revival, it's an interesting term. It means to improve the condition or the strength of something. Now, in a religious sense, it's a reawakening of our faith for the express purpose of seeing restoration. Could you imagine God using us, you and me, to have impact on not only this great city of Los Angeles, but those that live outside of the city, on your city, and all of those stations that we have on the East Coast. What about you? Up and down the East Coast. It's like you could have an impact on the people that are around you. See, we have to remember, in order for God to do something in this world, He has to stir His church up, because God has chosen to work through His church. Now, I probably agree with you, and you would agree with me that God could do a heck of a lot better job, you know, causing some revival in this country all on his own. Maybe he could just kind of reach his big God hands down and rip the sky open and put his big God head through and say, hey, repent, or I'm going to roast you. It seems like that would get some revival going. But God has chosen through his infinite wisdom to use us for people reaching people. So if there's ever going to be a revival in this country, because boy, do we ever need it now with as bad as things are getting right now. The wheels are coming off. It is getting so liberal now. It is crazy with this new Equality Act they're trying to pass. Oh my goodness. It's just crazy. So how is God going to spread his word? Well, he has to move in the hearts of his own people. Now, the problem is the hearts of God's people are not all awake. They're, they're like anemic, asleep at the wheel. I wonder if you would fit in that category, anemic in your faith. Like, you know, anyone starts talking about God or they're saying something against God and you just kind of fade into the woodwork. Yeah, see, that's the definition of being anemic. <laughs> you know, it's like you do nothing, you say nothing to promote the gospel of the message. See, so what God wants to do, what he would desire to do, is cause revival in this country. So it has to start first in the hearts of God's people. 
It has to start first in your heart and my heart. Like, if he doesn't re- cause revival in the church, there's never going to be a revival outside of the church. So the church has to have a reawakening first. We have to be rebooted. We need to wake up and not be anemic and asleep at the will. You know, it's like, it's happened in Los Angeles before, a revival that is. You know, it's not that crazy of an idea, because in 1949, Billy Graham, one of the most awesome evangelists of all time that the world has ever seen, he came to L.A. in 1949 for a three-week tent meeting. Well, that three-week tent meeting turned into an eight-week meeting. He spoke some like 70 times, you know, and it's like thousands came to know Christ as their Savior. Now, understand, Billy Graham was a relative nobody up to that point, but God used that revival in Los Angeles to put Billy Graham on the map. He went on, of course, to minister to millions of people. His name became a household name. But it all started right here in Los Angeles. And it started with people that were revived in their own heart. But I'm convinced that in order for us to see another outpouring of God's Spirit in this country that needs it so bad, It must first start again in the hearts of the individual believer. For until we, true Christians, at least those who claim to be true Christians, I mean, a lot of people will call themselves Christians, but hey, listen, just because you go to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just like going into In-N-Out doesn't make you a double-double. But the question is, are you, as an individual who claimed to know Christ as your Savior, are you willing to allow revival to stir your walk with the Lord, to reawaken you out of a spiritual sleep? Man, we've had COVID going on for a year now, and it's just like some of us have just completely fallen asleep. Let me ask you, are you going back to church yet? I mean, churches are open. Are you going back yet? Are you still like, oh, no, we're all going to die. I mean, it's like, look, you know, it's time to get back in our walking relationship with Christ and get out of our spiritual sleep. It's like some people are like, you know, Pastor, I hate you right now. (laughs) Okay, well, don't send me any hate mail. Just think it to yourself. You know, but it's like, but isn't it true? I mean, if you're a believer, shouldn't you be a believer all the way? There will be no revival without people waking up. Yes, I believe that we can all be part of something bigger than what we are. Something bigger than we could ever imagine. This is our time. Look how dark the time is getting around us. It's time for the light to shine. Yet it all has to start with our daily walk. How we live, what we do, and who we do it with. I was reading an article that said Christians are no longer walking in purity. I'm thinking, really? So I read the article, and it said in a recent poll that 80% of single Christians are no longer staying pure until marriage. What am I talking about? Like not having sexual relations with someone else, okay? So the poll said that 80% of people professing Christians are now having sex outside of marriage. They're having premarital sex. That's only slightly less than those not claiming to be Christians, which is 88%. This is just one indicator that says the difference between the lifestyles of most Christians today and non-Christians is getting smaller and smaller. These things should not be. 
See, it's like maybe that's where the power is lost in our witness. If you're not living for Christ and walking in his word and obeying what he says, there is no longer any power in your words. And when you try to tell someone about Christ, it's like, well, why would I listen to you? You're just like me. You look like you got baptized in lemon juice. You're always complaining about things and this and that, and you murmur and complain and grumble. It's like, why would anyone listen to you about Christ when there's no physical evidence of you being a Christian? And speaking of physical evidence, you know, I wonder if you were put on trial for being a Christian. Would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian. What do I mean? Well, let's just put up a, a trial set up here. You know, there's a judge, and you know, here's a defense attorney and a prosecutor, and we're going to try you for being a Christian. So we're going to bring your next-door neighbors in, you know, on both sides of where you live, maybe across the hallway or whatever. We're going to bring your neighbors in. We're going to bring your coworkers in. We're going to bring people that you hang out with. And then we're going to start grilling them. And we're going to say, this person says that they're a Christian. What are their neighbors going to say? Like, huh? Really? They're a Christian? Uh, I don't think so. What are your coworkers going to say? Is there going to be enough evidence to prove that you're a Christian if we were to not just ask you, but ask all the people around you? Well, it's something to think about. But see, there is a bigger and a something that's so much bigger than you and me that God wants to do. He wants to cause a revival in this country. Why? Because God is love, and he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. People need to repent. People are living in sin now like there's no tomorrow. Yes, there is a power to the testimony that comes from someone who walks different than the way that the world walks. Well, listen, right now, we're going to look into this small book of Galatians, and we're going to consider this first thought here in light of our title here, A True Walk. Uh, The thought we're going to consider here is walking in freedom. Let me read to you what it says here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, Because of that, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. What's the yoke of slavery? It's being pulled back into the sins that you were committing before you knew Christ as your Savior. He goes on to say in verse 2, he says, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, why is he talking about circumcision all of a sudden? Well, because people were going back and trying to live and be saved by the law. Well, the whole reason Jesus came was no one obeyed the law in the first place. Do you remember what God said back in Jeremiah chapter 31? He says, I'm going to bring a new covenant. Why? Because you're not obeying the old covenant, you know? So I'm going to start a new covenant. And people are going to come to him by faith, just like the original covenant that he made with Abraham. But it's not going to be saved by you know, the law, but saved by faith. So he brings up one aspect of what these people called the Judaizers that used to follow the Apostle Paul around and try to make his life miserable. And he said, you know, and so they were telling these uh, Gentile new believers, you got to be circumcised to be saved. And so he goes on to say in verse three, and I testify again to everyone who receives circumcision that is under obligation now to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. 
Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. So he's just saying, like, look, Christ came with a new covenant that we can come to know him by faith and faith alone. But if you want to be saved by works, well, then you're going to sever your relationship with Christ. Now, listen, why do I read the text like that? Because at Core Church Los Angeles, we want to teach the whole Bible. We want to teach the whole thought process, not just pulling a verse out of context and building a whole message on it. No, we want to read a full text of the Scripture so that you know it, because life— is in the Word of God, and only the Word of God being taught completely, not pulling some parts out and the parts that you don't like, or the parts that you don't agree with, or the parts that are not politically correct. That's not how you grow in your relationship with Christ. You grow in your relationship with Christ through the constant, full teaching of the entire Word of God. Listen, let me ask you, those of you that are living, you know, let's say within 40, 50 miles of Los Angeles, are you going to church again? I kind of hammered that at the beginning of the message. Listen, if you're not going back, why don't you come to Core Church this Sunday? Because we're open, and we are worshiping, and we are teaching through the Bible. We're going through Genesis. And so we're looking at the life of Joseph right now. We've been in Genesis for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine months. It's been a while. Anyway, but we're going to be there this coming Sunday. So I encourage you to come. We have two services in the morning, one at 8.30 a.m. The other one's at 10.30 a.m. Then we have a Sunday night service, which will be a different message, and that's at 6.30 p.m. Now, if you're on the East Coast, you can watch those live stream because we live stream all of our services. You can download our free app at the App Store. Just go to Core Church Los Angeles. Download the app, and you can watch us live stream. You can go to our website, corechurchla.org. You can watch us live stream there. But if you're anywhere around Los Angeles, don't be anemic. Get in your car. Drive to L.A. You say, I hate L.A. Well, so do I, (laughs) but I live here. Anyway, that's where the church is, because this is where God called me. But what would be better? Let me just ask you straight up. Go to a church that you're not being probed in your faith to grow. Or go to a church where you can be challenged in your faith to grow. I'm just asking, what's better? It's like, go to a place where you're growing. And if your church, and you're growing there, then go to your church and go up to your pastor and thank him for teaching the fullness of the Word of God. But if you're not growing, man, come to Core Church LA. Just saying. Anyway, moving on here. You know, the, the Bible says here, As we read that first few verses there, Galatians chapter 5, it was for this reason, freedom, that Jesus has set us free, okay? He wants us to be free. That's why he set us free. It was so that we would no longer be in bondage. He uses the terminology of a yoke being in bondage. Now, a yoke, of course, was used to enslave a large animal to work. And you put it on your ox, and you would put this yoke around his neck and around the neck of another ox, and then you would have that ox pull your plow through a field. Do you think that ox wants to pull your plow? No. But you put him on there, and he has to do it now. And you're whipping him in the rear, and he has to get moving to pull that plow. Now, if you don't have that yoke around that ox to pull your plow, then you're going to be pulling it yourself. So you have to enslave that animal. This, again, is enslaving it. Well, in the same way, when the Galatians here, the people in this area of Galatia, you know, turn from their simple faith in Christ— 
for their salvation. It's like, and they tried to embrace the Mosaic law, the, you know, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God. That's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, when they turned to the Mosaic law to be saved, Paul could only liken it to the yoke of slavery. Now, with that in mind, Paul uses circumcision as an example. Now, this, of course, was instituted all the way back in Genesis 17. Let me tell you what it says there. It says in Genesis 17, 10, it says, This is my covenant with which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Uh, He says, every male among you shall be circumcised, who is eight days old shall be circumcised. But an uncircumcised male, you know, that person will be cut off from his people. So God instituted this as an outward sign that you were the people of God. Okay, so the men would be circumcised. Okay, so to be circumcised to a Jew was like being baptized to the Christian. Again, it was a tangible outward showing of what really happened on the inside. It was outward mark of being God's chosen people. But understand, just because a person was circumcised on the outside, it didn't mean that his heart was right with God. And, you know, that was the real problem. That's why God instituted a new covenant with man. That's why Paul was so against the Judaizers, because they came in again telling people that faith in Jesus was not enough. Just like some people do today. They'll come in and say, oh, you've accepted Jesus in your heart. Have you been baptized? You haven't been baptized. Oh, well, you're not saved. Uh, Excuse me. Yes, we should all be baptized. But you're not saved because you're baptized. You're saved because you gave your heart to Jesus. Being baptized is being obedient to what he told you to do afterwards. But we're not saved by baptism, yet there's some that will teach that. Just like the Judaizers said, you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. Yes, they must also embrace the laws, what they were saying. Yet God even talked about the fallacy of circumcision in the Old Testament. He said in Deuteronomy, in the Torah, he said in uh, chapter 10, verse 16, he says, so circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. Like, you know, stop this already. He also said in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, he says, moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all that you live. So God wasn't saying, okay, I told you to be circumcised. Now I'm telling you not to be circumcised. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, be circumcised, but circumcise your heart. Get your heart right with me, because the heart of the matter is always the matter of the heart. So with that said, let me ask you, where is your heart with God right now? Have you kind of been, you know, taking a bit of a holiday have you been kind of on vacation from your faith? I mean, this whole COVID thing's thrown, turned the whole world in, inside out. But where are you at today? That's the question. Are you walking with God? Is your faith strong? Are you saying like, well, you know, Pastor, to be honest, uh, I'm not doing so good in my faith. You know, I've kind of gotten a little tired, a little sleepy in my faith. Well, you know what? I'm, I appreciate you being honest. So why don't you right now, get right with the Lord. Maybe you've become a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. Maybe you've, you know, allowed some things to come in your life that you haven't done in a while. If you're willing to say, God, I'm sorry, 
He will forgive you right now, and he will instantly restore you. Do you want to be right with God? Do you want your sin forgiven? Do you want to know that you're going to heaven when you die? Then just say, God, I'm sorry. If that's you, pray this right now. Lord, hear my prayer. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I do believe you died for me, that you rose again from the dead. Come inside me. Restir my heart. Awaken my spirit. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. And be my friend. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to send you a Bible that's got some real encouraging notes that'll help you walk with the Lord. If you want to email me your name and address at Bible at corechurchla.com. That's Bible at corechurchla.com. Or you can phone me at 323-807-3255. And may the Lord God bless you. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 